0: Ksubas Perik Yudalev, Mishnah Vav 11.6, the last of the chapter. And the topic of our Mishnah here are certain categories of women who are not entitled to benefits conferred usually by the Ksuba. They are not going to get their Ksuba. Um, And all of the three categories have their own rationale. There's three different um, reasons. So let's just go through the three categories here. Um, The first is the Mimma NS. So this is a woman who rejects her husband. So we're talking here about a girl who was orphaned, she has no father, and Chazal empowered her mother or her older brother to um, marry her off. So they accept condition on her behalf, and now she's married to someone who's going to hopefully take care of her. Um, But this was really to protect her, the girl. So she is empowered to reject her husband and say, listen, I don't want to be married to this person. And uh, before she um, reaches Bar Mitzvah and continues to sleep with him, she says, I reject him. She, that's called miun. So this is the Mima Ennis, the girl who does Miyun. And if she says she wants to not be married to him, so then they um, they undo the marriage, if you will. And that being the case. She's no longer married to him or really never was married to him. And, and because of that, she'll lose her Ksuba, as we'll see more in the Mishnah. The second is the hashnia. This is the Various women who are forbidden as rabbinically, as sort of second-degree arayos, sort of incestuous relationships that are not explicit, they're not forbidden by the Torah, but the rabbis extended them because they're really like, you know, one degree removed from what the Torah had in mind. We saw this back in the beginning of the Masechta. So, for example, the Torah prohibits one to marry his mother, but it doesn't explicitly forbid one's mother's mother. So your grandmother is actually not technically an erva mid the rabbi said no one's marrying their grandmother, so she's forbidden rabbinically. Forbidden rabbinically. So um, although if one does attempt to marry his grandmother, that technically does affect kedushin, so they could be married, but the rabbis want to penalize a woman who does that because um, they don't want these kind of marriages, and therefore, as we'll see in the Mishnah, she um, will not get her super benefits. The, the rationale for the penalty on the woman here is the assumption is that... It's the woman wants to be married more than the man. And um, although a woman doesn't, she wants to have like a, a family and they should live happily ever after. So a woman would not want to be married to a man if that would mean that she becomes a psula, invalidated in some way, like from marrying a Kohan, or if her children become psulim, they can't marry Kohanim, or let's say worse, mamzeerim, etc. Um, she wouldn't do that. Um, so if in such a marriage, we would assume that the person who instigated it primarily was the husband. But in a situation like a shnia, so those set of rabbinic prohibitions, there's no actual soul, no invalidation that occurs with a woman nor her children. They can marry anybody. And therefore, if someone does such a, has such a relationship, we assume it was the woman who is the driving force. And therefore, um, to dissuade that from happening, we say that she's going to not get a soul protection, which hopefully would stop that marriage from happening. The third category of our Mishnah is the Ilonis. Ilonis is a girl who becomes a woman but never goes through puberty, so she never actually becomes a woman proper, um, able to bear children. And the rationale here is that when girls are getting married, let's say at 12 years old, let's say, so if they haven't yet begun to go through puberty, um, the assumption is, well, they will over time. But a woman who's hit 20 years old and still... Has the body of a girl that's unable to bear children, so she's called the Nilanus. And the assumption is that a man wouldn't agree to marry a woman who never, who is a Nilanus, because he wants to build a family and have children, and he can with such a woman, something hormonally wrong with her. Um, and that being the case, um, he would then claim that the marriage that he entered into way back when, when they got married originally, was a mekach Taos, was made under false pretenses, and therefore the Kenyan, that marriage should not be binding altogether, and therefore it should be essentially retroactively undone. It wasn't a legitimate marriage because he married her under the assumption she'd have children, and he, she can't um, as an Ilanus. So that would mean, as the mission will say explicitly, if he understood that she was an Ilanus, so then of course she is protected with her kutubah because no mekkah He can't claim it was you know, an invalid marriage or one under false pretenses because he understood it, that she was an Ilanus. But if he didn't know, then that would be a mekkah he could argue that if he wanted to, and therefore that would um, make it that the ksuba wouldn't be binding because it wasn't the marriage. So now, the Misha's first sentence is, Hamima Enes, the girl who rejects her husband, vashnia, and the woman who's like a second degree rabbinically prohibited ancestral relationship, Vahailanis, and the woman who never matures so that she can carry children, Ein lehem ksuba. They won't be entitled to their ksuba payments, meaning the 200 zuz ikr ksuba if it's their first marriage or 100 zuz if it's their second marriage, um, for the reasons I just explained. Um, importantly, to note, we're talking about what's called the Iker ksuba, that statutory requirement of giving a woman two hundred zuz for her first marriage, etc. Um, if the husband would have um, opted to give the tosefas ksuba, additional amount besides that the besides the Ikra ksuba, the, the minimum amount. So the rationale there we assume is because he was very excited to have this as his wife um, and prize and sleeping partner, and that being the case, um, he you know he added an amount to the ksuba. Now, since he was actually living with his woman, whichever woman it was, that was his wife, and she was his sleeping partner, so that would mean that um, the Tosephus is still payable to her because the bottom line is they were living together as a husband and a wife. So, therefore, while the Memeenis, the Shnea, and will not get their Iker Ksuba, in the event there was a Tosafis Ksuba, she would get that. Velo um, the, these women don't get the Peros, meaning reimbursed. For the consumption of the perus of what they brought into the marriage, we've said already throughout the Masechta that a woman can bring in what's called nechse Malug, which is property that she owns, but he, the husband, may get usufruct rights. He can make use of its product, dividends, distributions, profits, output, etc. Um, so let's say that you know she brought a field in, and he was you know for years you know eating the apples off the tree or selling the apples off the tree, etc. Um, that were in her field, so she cannot. After they get unmarried, whichever is the correct verb for however the marriage ended, do to the three cases, um, she can't say, Well, that being the case, you know, our marriage has been undone, so you have no right to have eaten my fruit. I want a reimbursement. She cannot do that. Um, he doesn't have to reimburse her, in other words. Uh, the Mima Enets, because at the time they were married, they were married, so he was eating by rights. Of course, you can ask for a refund. The Shnia, really, they were married midoraisa. And therefore, by rights, he was entitled to the to the to the peros. Now, um, there is a kanas going on here, but the kanas, the penalty is really against her. So, therefore, that's why we're not giving her a refund for the peros and the ailonis. So, here they were married at the time, and even though he would then reject later on, sort of retroactively, at the time he was living with her, she was aware he was eating with the peros, and she was um, she she was on it, meaning she let him eat it. And that being the case, we assume basic assumption here is that a mechila, if one f- lets someone do something, even if it's a mechila b'taos, even though it was uh, made under a um, false presumption, it doesn't matter. The mechila stands, and therefore she she waived it, so she won't go back and get reimbursed. Velomazonos, obviously, the once their marriage is no longer, so then he's not responsible to continue to provide her with financial support for her daily needs, because they're not married anymore. Velobalaos, and also she won't get reimbursed for the wearing out of her clothing, let's say you know she got a dress, brought a dress into marriage. He made her wear it every day because it was his favorite dress, so she wore it till it wore out. She can't say it wore out because of you. I want to get reimbursed, etc. Um, nope. of course, if um, her clothes weren't fully worn out, she she can what he provided for her that didn't get worn out, she can or whatever she can she can take them back out of the marriage. They're hers, but the point is she can't get reimbursed for the wear and tear of her stuff during the marriage. As far as the Ailanus goes, says the Mishnah, as I mentioned before, if from the outset, when he married this woman who was the Ailanus, he knew that she was an Ailanus and he was saying, You hey, have no ways i getting married to her, then of course, she has the full protections of a ksuba because there's no such thing as claiming mekakhtaus, false pretenses, when he knew exactly what he was doing. Now, all that said, we're now going to say there are certain women um, that are really forbidden um, from the Torah, and yet... It's just a generic alav, a basic prohibition um, that forbids this relationship, not a is or karas, doesn't care what the penalty of divine excision. Therefore Kadushn is tofsin. If one says, at Lee, let's say a cohen says to a divorcee, let's get married, they're not allowed to get married, and in fact the bezin would force them to get divorced, but in the meantime, if they got married, they are married, it's binding. So in those cases, the mission here will say those kinds of women get a These women here on our list are women whose children are all going to be, um, one way or the another, she or her children being invalidated psulim, either from marrying kohanim or marrying Jews in general. And therefore, as I said before, the assumption is that he was the driving force. She wouldn't do this unless he really pushed it. And therefore, we're not going to penalize her. She's entitled to get her k'suba because they were in fact married. So, who are those people? Says the Mishnah inside? al manala kohen gadol, a widow who marries a kohen gadol. That's prohibited from the Torah, but if it happens, the marriage is binding, and she gets a k'suba. Grusha, the chalutza, kohen hetiot. A divorcee, the grusha, is not allowed to marry a regular kohen, kohen hetiot. But if they do get married, the marriage is binding. The chalutza is only rabbinically prohibited, but she's treated rabbinically like a grusha, like a divorcee, and therefore she's also forbidden to get married to him. Their children would become forbidden to marry kohanim. Their chalalim, uh, meaning if it's a boy doesn't do a vote of the, he loses his kohen status really, etc., then they can't marry kohanim. But the point is. the marriage is binding, therefore the kasuba is there, and she wouldn't do it unless he instigated it. Same goes with a mamzeris unasinali Yisrael. If she is a mamzeris, the offspring of a union that was Iserkaris, so it's forbidden to enter that marriage, but if they do, or if she was a nasina, a nasina, the nasinim were prohibited to marry the Jewish people. The details, they're the tenets of this g- Gavonim who tricked Yoshua way back when, when they've been back in for Yoshua. Um, the exact details are it doesn't matter the point is Nasinim can't marry Jews and um, if they do the marriage is binding and there's a and that's true whether in that case she's the Nesina she's the girl of the Nesina and the, and the boy is a regular Israel, or if it's a bas Yisrael a nasin mamzer if the girl is a regular nice Jewish girl but the boy is a nasin he's from the descendants of those people or he's a mamzer the offspring of his forbidden union that's Yisar Karis. So then Yeishleh and Ksuba, all these women who are in those marriages, all are protected and get the full benefits of the Ksuba, even though their marriage is forbidden. But once they're married, the Ksuba is the Ksuba.